0: Good morning. No, 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 not good morning. Hello. Welcome to Destiny Midweek, the podcast that takes a deep dive on our Sunday morning messages here at Destiny Church. My name is Mark Bell and I'm joined with Pastor Matt Bell. Hey Matt, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day in San Antonio. The weather has been spectacular it's a little warm, but not too warm. Staying in the 70s, which is okay. It's it's cool enough that you don't
1: have to kick the AC on. You just open the windows and enjoy God's creation. That's right. How was your weekend? Had, a, had one of the best weekends of my life. Oh, really? Yeah, it was just so wonderful and chill. Just had such a great Friday. Friday, we took our kids to the zoo for school. Oh wow. A field trip. The weather was amazing. What was what was your favorite exhibit um, or animal? I like watching the monkeys. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing how they can swing so effortlessly. That's fun to watch. Um but probably my favorite thing was the snakes. Because, really? Yeah. They, they they were feeding a python. He was eating rats. Oh wow, I haven't seen that before. And uh Man, there was just, I, I just got the chills when I was staring at this rattlesnake. I mean, I just got down and put my face right in his face and he mm-hmm. was just looking at me. And I i just got the chills, the heebie-jeebies. Mm-hmm. You know, where you just go, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just kept doing that. I go from, you know, aquarium to aquarium, from snake to snake, and just, freak myself out because mm-hmm. you have this like flight reflex right in you that like everything in your subconscious is screaming at you like danger 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 and what else what else was fun is a lot of those snakes you know they they camouflage themselves mm-hmm. and so you just kind of walk up and I, I would walk up and think like okay if I was walking through this landscape. I would approach the you know, their exhibit with that mindset and I don't see the snake anywhere, right? And so then I would start looking for it and I would have to look so intently and so closely to to see it. And I'm like, if if this was out in the you know, in nature, right, I'd be dead if this thing bit me. I mean this thing could totally bite me and I would never see it. So that was a little unnerving. So there could be times where you've walked past one and and just never knew. I'm sure. I'm certain of it. Mm -hmm. I'm certain. So that was Friday. And then Saturday, you know, because you preached on Sunday. Oh, that's right. Yes. I just like played out in the backyard with my kids for like four or five hours and was just thinking, man, this is so nice. Not having to be thinking about preaching tomorrow. And we were talking a little bit yesterday that this, uh, I realized in that, that this was the first Sunday I hadn't preached all year, not just at destiny, but when I've been gone, Mm -hmm. I've been preaching at other churches or in Japan or whatever. And I thought, wow. So this, this is what a a Saturday is like. This is great. Yeah. This is a real, yeah, it is nice great day. That's cool. Cause every Saturday I'm just like grinding my gears thinking about, about Sunday, you know, I'm
0: glad I could offer you some relief, some peace in your life. Yeah. So how was your Saturday? No, it was good. Relaxing. It, It was, it wasn't too bad. I came over here for a little bit, get some things ready for, for Sunday. But, uh, yeah, we had a good time. Sunday was a busy day. Of course, I spoke and then we had a practice for our children's program, which is going to be really great. One of our youth, Caroline Guajardo, wrote a children's play It's awesome. for Christmas. And so we're going to be doing that on December 11th. And so we had a practice. And then when I got home, the family wanted to go to Fiesta, Texas. So I didn't really get a rest. Which was fine. It's always great to get outside, especially when the weather is great. More Christmas decorations are coming up. Okay. So that's
1: good. That kicks off this weekend. So, you know, growing up, we did not listen to Christmas music or watch Christmas movies until after Thanksgiving. That's right. And I've I've sort of tried to hold on to that a little bit. You know, trying, trying, you know, I'm not a communist about it, but I, I I try not to listen to Christmas music myself. Personally, my kids will watch Home Alone 2 in July and I'll say, what are you, what are you guys doing? What are you watching? You know, but I don't like turn that off. Yeah. But I think you're that same way, right? I am. I Like you're not putting up the Christmas tree till after Thanksgiving. I usually don't. This year, I, I'm starting
0: to feel a little bit of liberty. Oh wow! You're getting, I don't know. You're being I, worn down. I think if it's it's the weather. It's been so cool, and it usually isn't this cool, right? And so, and this year Thanksgiving is the latest it could possibly be. It is. So, so I feel like if we wait until the very end, if we wait till after Thanksgiving, we're robbing ourselves of days the Christmas to
1: enjoy Christmas. So. If Fiesta is doing their Christmas decorations, you, you, you feel like you can go even before Thanksgiving and experience all that. Yeah. Last year was
0: the first year that we, that we did do that before Thanksgiving and it felt a little dirty. It just felt maybe like I was cheating a little bit, but I think I'm just ready to do it. Yeah. But I haven't. I haven't quite, like, I'm not listening to Christmas music. I used to be really bad. Honestly, if I was at the mall
1: before Thanksgiving and I heard Christmas music, I would run out of that store. Well, yeah, but but there's just nowhere you can go now. Right. You know, because of retail, they've pretty much just skipped the fall season and yeah, after straight, Halloween, right. it's straight to, to Christmas. Like Starbucks usually has the Thanksgiving blend coffee that they sell that I like. Yeah. And I went in there the other day and, and I mean, last week, I went in there last week and it was all Christmas stuff. And I said, Hey, do you guys have Thanksgiving blend? They said, no, we, we, we sold out. We don't have it anymore. I said, it's not even Thanksgiving yet. And they said, yeah, it was only available for like one week. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. So, you know, it's all about money and and trying to make as much money off of Christmas is possible. So, and I think that was part of it too.
0: Like growing up that just made Thanksgiving day that much more special. It was like the official kickoff of Christmas, but as I'm getting older and family dynamics change, our Thanksgivings look a little different and traditions right. and stuff change. So, but there was, was a couple of days ago, it was really cold outside and I, I asked Alexa to play a Christmas song and my girls were like, no, you can't. What are you doing? It's not Thanksgiving, like you can't do that yet. So they're, they're keeping me
1: accountable. That's good. Which is good. You got to have those accountability structures in your life. So I'm, I'm curious about those who are listening. I know we've gone on for eight minutes now about Christmas and Thanksgiving, but do you listen to Christmas music? Do you put your Christmas tree up before Thanksgiving? Let us know, send us a text to the number that we don't know, and you can email us at podcast at destinychurch.cc I'm curious where all of you guys are at. Yes, we would love to know what you do. So before we get into talking about Sunday's message, let's uh dive into a couple things that we've got coming up here at the church. So Thursday night,
0: November 21st, 6:30 p.m., we are having a ladies fellowship, ladies fellowship. Yep. So all the ladies of the church are invited. Doesn't matter So all the ladies of the church are invited. We are providing childcare. So I'll be putting a team together to watch your kids. If you want to bring your kids, if that'll help you get here,
1: do it. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be really great. Last night, me and Heather were, were going over her notes and she was saying, is this, what do you think about this? And you're going to be learning about Anna Mm -hmm. from Luke chapter two. It's going to be awesome. And, uh, actually November the 21st is also our wedding anniversary me and Heather. Wow. She's, she's super excited about that's uh, really cool coming and sharing God's word with the ladies. And yeah, so it's going to be a great night. And then men this Saturday, uh, this Friday and Saturday at 8am, we're having work days here at the church where you can come and help us get some uh, work done that we're going to be doing on our stage. So if you've got a drill, come and bring that. We're going to need that. And uh, yeah, just come and give us a hand as we, want to do some renovations a couple of days of work will be awesome. So you preached on Sunday? I did. Romans chapter 8, the fifth installment. That's right. In this series and you were in verses 17 through 25. 17 to 25. So now I get to ask you, how did it go? I thought it went really
0: well. Um it was a great service. Worship was good. I had a good time of worship. And um yeah, it was, it was, I thought it went well. I, um, people seemed to be paying attention, which was great. Yeah. Cause you're used to speaking to the youth. I am. So when I, I'm used to looking out and just not seeing a lot of eyeballs looking back at me. So that was really cool. They, they seemed to be attentive to get my cues when I, you know, were, would expect a, a man or maybe a laugh or something. They were
1: Right. Along with me, which is great. Yeah. Adults are so easy to speak to. Like, you know, because I did youth for seven or eight years and then you go and you talk to adults and it's like, man, this is easy. Yeah. You know, and several times I've gone now since being the pastor and spoken at youth camps and youth conferences and I'm like, man, this is so much work you know yeah just trying to keep their attention is like i could probably light myself on fire and still only half of them would be paying attention after 30 seconds yeah
0: so so i got a lot of good feedback from people which was very encouraging yeah and uh that's i don't good. know if if that's just because i went a little shorter than maybe they're used to so they were really how long was it i didn't even pay attention it was i think the the official time stamp on it was Right at 34 minutes. Yeah. So
1: a little shorter than, than you would usually go, but. Yeah. Well, uh, obviously you didn't, you know, bring the full counsel of God's word like I normally do. So, okay. Yeah. So,
0: <laughs> but I, I thought did, it was I did, great. I, I did thought you, a I thought you of, did a
1: great job. Thanks. And, uh, yeah, I, I heard nothing but really great and positive things. Awesome.
0: So we were talking about suffering yeah. Which um oddly, it's it's one of my favorite topics in the Bible. Why do you th- why do you think that is? I think just because of what we've been through as, as a family and the things that we've gone through and that suffering, I really feel like what we've been through brought me to the point where I really understood the gospel and that the message of the gospel wasn't really real to me until I went through some suffering and that it became real. So so would you say that you weren't saved before then? I don't know.
1: Really? Yeah. So Jesus would have come back in 2001? No,
0: I, I was saved. Okay. Good. I was saved.
1: I, I believe You've grown. Yes. I believed in Jesus
0: prior to that, but really understanding you have a deeper understanding yeah and so and I, i i so i feel like i'm i'm closer and more understanding in my walk with god now because of suffering than i i would be if i didn't go through those things so i enjoy i don't know if i enjoy it but i try to communicate that with the youth a lot and with people that i talk to like stuff is just going to happen in this life that isn't good. Right. But that doesn't mean that God is upset or angry at you or that he's turned his back on you. It could just mean that he wants to grow in your life. He wants you to grow in him and trust in him. and So that's what this uh, passage was all about, suffering and how God can use that, but how, how you can endure it by understanding what he has promised you. Right. And so that that was something I was trying to communicate and really at the beginning wanted to lay out like what being an heir of God looks like because a lot of times we just think that we're saved and yeah, we're going to heaven and that's great. We're we're a child of God, but really there's so much more to that. And exactly. I think thinking about that daily and really having an understanding and your faith being rooted in that will allow you to go through things in life that you weren't anticipating or you definitely weren't asking for.
1: Yeah, I remember going through, you know, when dad died and trying to, you know, reconcile what I believed about God's blessing and walking in in his goodness yet walking through this very difficult season as a family and as a church and didn't really understand you know trying to process like how could this how could this work and as I came in 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 that place started to read through the New Testament and in the whole Bible again I was just struck at just how often especially in the New Testament it talks about enduring hardship and difficulty in this life. And what I, what I took away from that in that season was that this is, this should not be a surprise for Christians, like it's in there so much. And I remember I, I went through and I went in my Bible and every time it talked about suffering or enduring, I I circled it in my Bible. I'm like, I, I just cannot believe how much of this is in here that I really hadn't seen before simply because I, I hadn't experienced it in the way that I was experiencing it then. Yeah. And not that I was like
0: brought up with the prosperity gospel, but I feel like where I had been in my theology or my viewpoint of God, when, when dad did die, I, it just didn't line up because I thought, well, He's, he's faith. He's a man of integrity. We're a good family. We're serving in the church, going to church nonstop and doing all the right things. So God's not going to let anything happen to him. Right. Or us or, you know, and so when that happened, it, it just, I had to take a step back and really evaluate what, what I believe and how it lines up and how it all makes sense. So that kind of led, and thankfully, you know, following following you and your wisdom and guidance and sharing of the word and all that has brought me to a place where I feel like I can say that God is going to allow us to go through things and that there's a purpose for it.
1: Right. So this uh, verse, one of these verses in the passage that you went through really helped me a lot uh, in that season and it's verses 24 and 25. But when Paul is talking about that, there's going to be a new creation, a new heavens, a new earth that we're in the, we're in the pains of childbirth now, but something new is coming. In verse 24, he says, in this hope you were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience and, and that verse really ministered to me in that moment because it was like, well, wait, wait a second. We, we really are saved with a, a hope for a future that we don't see yet. We, we don't see the full manifestation of the goodness and the blessing of God yet. And we have to wait for it for when Christ returns and we have to wait for it with patience. And so that verse just, it helped me to orient my heart and my perspective in that there's going to be hardship. There's going to be difficulty and we're saved with a, a hope that we don't see and that we can anticipate receiving it in the future when Jesus returns. Yeah. And so, but that we have to wait right, and wait with patience. And and not be upset with God when we don't see it the way that we want to see it. This, he Paul explicitly says, we won't have the fullness of it. We're saved hoping for it. And until it comes, we have to wait and wait with patience. Yeah, and I think the fact that Paul is the one writing
0: this helps out a lot too. Because like I said on Sunday, he he went through a lot. He suffered a lot. He even put in 2 Corinthians a list of everything that he had been through so you know that was helpful to me too seeing the apostles and the disciples and they, they were the closest if anybody was close to Jesus and had a good relationship with God it was the disciples and you look at their life and it's suffering after suffering trial after trial but yet they were the example of enduring it and enduring it with patience knowing what they were what was due them, on the other
1: side, exactly.
0: So that's that's what we talked about. I th- I thought I I felt good that I was able to get through get get through what I wanted to and communicate what what I wanted
1: to. So in in John fifteen twenty back on the idea you were talking about the disciples, Jesus says, "Remember what I told you: a servant is not greater than his master." If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. And so the apostles' life and example, who follow Jesus, they experience the same things that Jesus did. And I think that we too can anticipate those things in life as well. So sorry to interrupt, but no, it's great. So we got a couple questions in. We did. We got some really good.
0: Really good questions. Um, so i'll I'll go ahead and
1: go through those. Do you want me to yeah, read read the read the whole question and then i'll I'll do my best to walk through it. All right,
0: so it says in last week's podcast, this is from Lisa. She says in last week's podcast, Pastor Matt talked about the mortification of sin and offered John Owens mortification of sin for additional reading. In listening, it talks about suffering in this world. This week, Pastor Mark talked about how Jesus suffered and Paul suffered. He talked about the suffering in this world versus the weight of the joy we will experience in the new world. What does our suffering lead to? Is God trying to teach us his love and increase our relationship with him through our suffering? Owen seems to be saying that suffering is the daily mortification of sin, which helps us grow in grace. If we already have grace through Jesus' death, why do we have to suffer to grow in grace? It seems that God is asking us to prove daily our love for him by turning away from the world and sin and toward him. But the struggle of living in this world, turning away from the flesh, the enticements of the secular world will inevitably mean suffering. Or do we simply suffer because of the original sin and this is simply the price we pay in this world as humans until we get to the new world? What is the purpose of our suffering? Loving the podcast way better than Kanye.
1: So I'm going to agree with you on that last statement and uh, I really appreciate you for listening. Lots and lots of really good questions in there. And this issue of suffering is a huge, it is a huge one. And I don't pretend to have all the answers for it. It's something that people and Christians especially have wrestled with for a long time, because the question is, if God is good and all powerful, why is there hardship and suffering in the world, especially for his people? So. I took some time and i looked over this question in advance and Mm -hmm. i I wrote out a response oh okay so i I wanted to do my best to answer it as clearly as possible so i'm just going to read through this response and hopefully it, it it is helpful but i want to start with that last question do we simply suffer because of the original sin and this is simply the price we pay in this world as humans until we get to the new world what is the purpose of our suffering And so first, I just want to help us keep in mind the bigger picture about this original sin. Because oftentimes when we're suffering, we do lose perspective. It's easy to get focused on the hardship or the pain. And sometimes we can lose sight of some bigger truths. And that's what Paul is doing in this passage. He's actually saying in the midst of the trial, don't lose sight of the glory that is to come. So the big picture I want to remind us of is that we do live in a fallen and broken world. We always need to keep that in mind. Things are not as they should be. When God created the world, he declared it to be very good. But as we look at the world today, it's not very good. Wars, disease, famine, injustice, poverty, racism, death. Something has gone terribly wrong. So the world is broken because of sin. And that is why Jesus came. Jesus came to fix what we had broken. God created the world very good. And we have corrupted the world and made it very bad through our sin so jesus came to fix his good creation now personal salvation for you and for me is a part of what jesus came to accomplish but it isn't the whole scope of his work we actually read about that in romans 8:20 20 to 23 that the scope of Christ's work of redemption is all of creation. It's not just individuals here and there being saved. Yes, that's a part of his work, but his work was actually to redeem all of creation. His work is cosmic in scope. So Jesus came from heaven to earth, establishing God's kingdom, but, his kingdom is not yet established in its fullness. The fullness of God's kingdom comes later, as Paul writes, when Jesus will restore all of creation. And he's talking about the new heavens and the new earth, that this is a future event that we hope for. So until that day, The kingdom of darkness is still at work in this fallen and broken world. And it's very active. So when we are born again, we are, as Colossians 1.13 says, we are delivered from the dominion of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. So when we are saved, we are thrust into a cosmic battle of good and evil And now we have a target on our back. Just last week, I had a lunch with a brother from the church who was telling me of the attacks that he has been under as a family since he gave his life to Jesus. That before he had really dedicated his life to the Lord, kind of living in the world, everything was kind of going all right. Although he was creating lots of problems for himself and his family through his own sin. He, he wasn't under what he's feeling now, these attacks, spiritual attacks. So now we're in this battle and we have this war that's raging. So that leads us to the, the I think the first question that Lisa asked. Yeah, it's
0: what does our suffering lead to? Is God trying to teach us his love and increase
1: our relationship with him through our suffering? So in response to this part of the question, I want to make it clear that God is not the author of evil. First John 1.5 says that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So living in this broken world, there is just stuff that happens. And I don't think it's right to blame God for everything that goes wrong. If someone gets sick or if someone dies, I don't think it's right to blame God. However, I do believe, and I believe the scripture teaches that God is sovereign, which means that even though God did not cause the suffering for his own reasons, God has allowed it. And God has reasons that we don't see. She asked if God was trying to teach us his love and increase our relationship with him. And yes, I I absolutely believe that. I believe that God uses suffering to teach us those things, but it could be a million other reasons as well that we will never see. The book of Job is the great example of this. God did not cause Job's suffering, but he did allow it. And it's for a purpose that God alone knows. God never explains himself to Job. Just read Job chapter 38. And God basically says, Job, I am in control and I have reasons and purposes that you cannot understand and that you will never understand, yet it's your job to trust in me. Going back to her question, she says, Owen
0: seems to be saying that suffering is the daily mortification of sin, which helps us grow in grace. If we already have grace through Jesus's death,
1: why do we have to suffer to grow in grace? You know, it's a funny thing that when things are good and easy, we don't recognize the grace of God in our lives. We so easily become accustomed to comfort and even begin to feel entitled. So oftentimes it is through lack and pain and hardship that we learn to see and recognize the grace and goodness of God we also don't grow when things are easy it's only through difficulty that we grow as people personal growth comes through difficulty that's why people who have never been through hardship who have everything easy in life we call them spoiled they just had everything handed to them If you've had everything handed to you, you've never had to work, you've never had to go through hardship, pain, loss, or suffering, you will be a person of weak moral character. And so it's it's this dichotomy, it's this strange thing of going through these things that we grow as people. It's also through suffering that we grow in grace towards other people that we learn to identify and and be empathetic towards others when they're going through a hardship that we have been through. And you can look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 for an example of that.
0: So I once heard that a rubber band is completely useless unless it's being stretched. That until it's it's being pulled and stretched that it has no worth, it has no use. And so I think that goes along with what you were saying that in us being stretched and us going through hard times and us facing difficulties,
1: it really does allow us to grow. Right. Yeah. It, it, I mean, I think about the things that have produced growth in my life and it's, it's always been a, a, it's always been difficult. You know, it's always difficult to whether in leadership or in my marriage or in my parenting, It's it's striving through a hard thing, whatever it is that you are strengthened and that you you step up to another level. So the question keeps going
0: and it says it seems that God is asking us to prove daily our love for him by turning away from the world and sin and toward him but that the struggle of living in this world, turning away from the flesh, the enticements of the
1: secular world will inevitably mean suffering. So yes, I think that that is true. Living in this fallen world where the kingdom of darkness still reigns, it means that we will have opposition and persecution. And I think that that is what Paul usually has in mind when he's talking about suffering. He's not talking about being rear ended on the freeway. He really is talking about opposition to the gospel persecution. Now, I think that the truths, the principles that underline how we endure persecution, I think they can also apply to when we are rear ended on the freeway, when we suffer in other areas but I think that in general, it's talking about this battle between good and evil and what we experience because of it. Now, as far as God asking us to prove our love for him, I would encourage you to, to read John chapter 14. But in verse 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Verse 21. He says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Verse 23, again, the third time in this chapter, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Verse 24, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father who sent me. So yes, I don't know that, uh, we have to prove our love to God. I think God knows what's in our heart, but our, our, our love for God is shown is manifest as we obey him and keep his commandments. So those are my answers to those questions. I I hope that uh, they're helpful for you. And again, this is a very, uh, intense subject. Christians today, especially because it, it appears that there are so many other people who teach that when you are saved and you come to Christ, that your life will be perfect. And if, if you have enough faith and you believe God that you won't endure difficulty and, and hardship. But what I've learned is that that's when you need faith and when things are going easy, what do I need to believe God for? I have everything that I already need and want. And that it's it's an easy life that produces um, a lukewarm heart and a lukewarm
0: spirit. So we got another email and it says In Sunday's sermon, Pastor Mark used Second Corinthians eleven, twenty-four through twenty eight as examples of Paul's suffering in the discussion of how suffering is worth the inheritance we'll receive in heaven. But Matthew eleven twenty eight and many scriptures talk about how God wants us to find rest in this life and in the next, in him, and in Christ Jesus. In Philippians 4.11, Paul says that he has learned to be content in whatever state he is in. How do you personally do that? And I don't mean just through your actions, putting on the fake face and bearing through it, but truly, really, in yourself, be content, even in the midst of great suffering. How do you do that?
1: So that passage in second Corinthians chapter 11, it's the one where Paul talks about being shipwrecked Mm -hmm. three times Mm -hmm. beaten, whipped with the 40 lashes minus one, (laughs) which is just a creative way to say 39 lashes. He was, we know he was bitten by a snake. Uh, I think that would have been the point where I said, really God, like, it's not enough that I've been almost drowned at sea, shipwrecked, adrift. And then they reference Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, talking about how God wants us to find rest with him. And I want to read this verse from Matthew 28. And I want to help explain why it is so important to know the context of scripture. Because if we lift verses from their context it's easy to understand them in a way that was never intended. So Matthew uh, 11, verse 28, Jesus says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. 1129 says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will have rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what is what is Jesus talking about here? What do you think he's talking about, Mark? Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you what Jesus is talking about here. You, you have to understand <laughs> the context. And if you don't understand the context, you can misunderstand this and misapply this. When Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, a yoke was something that you would put on to an animal, an uh, ox or a cow, and he would walk with that yoke around his neck and he would carry either uh, a cart or he would pull a, some sort of plow or something to work. And what many people do not know is that a rabbi's teaching, his instructions, his way of teaching God's law, that was called the rabbi's yoke.
0: You, I didn't know that. You didn't know no. that.
1: No, you didn't know that. So the Jesus is saying, "Come to me all of you who are burdened and heavy laden, and you will find rest. Take my yoke or my teaching upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke or my teaching is easy." And my burden is light. Now, this word burden, it comes up again in Matthew's gospel. In Matthew chapter 23, when Jesus is pronouncing his very famous seven woes against the scribes and the Pharisees, he has this to say in verse two. The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses's seat. So he says, practice and observe whatever they tell you, but do not do what they do for they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens that are hard to bear and they lay them on people's shoulders but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. So Jesus talks about the Pharisees teaching as a burden that they lay all of these rules and these man-made traditions and commandments on people's shoulders that they themselves don't even keep the Pharisees and the scribes. And that they only, if they do keep them, they only do it in public for people's, praise and and that they could be glorified themselves and so Jesus is saying are you burdened by this teaching come to me take my teaching upon you and you'll find rest for your souls and of course Jesus summarizes all of God's law into two commands love God with all your soul strength mind and heart and love your neighbor as yourself And if you do these two things, you'll obey all of God's commandments. So Jesus is saying, don't be burdened down by all of the crazy rules that the Pharisees have come up with about how far you can walk on the Sabbath, that you have to count your steps on the Sabbath day, how many letters you could even write down before you broke the Sabbath. Jesus says the Sabbath was made for you to find rest, but you guys through your religion have turned it into a day of work because you have to keep track of all of this stuff. So Jesus says, come to me and you will find rest. Now, what the Pharisees were teaching was that you have to do these things to be right with God. And what Jesus is saying is cease from your labor, your work, your toil to be made right with God and rest in me and my work on the cross. That through my work, you can now find rest. You don't have to work to be made right with God. And this resting in Christ's work on the cross is actually what the Sabbath in the Old Testament was pointing to all along. You can go read about that in Hebrews chapter four, verses nine
0: through 11. Wow, that's awesome. I've never heard... I' never heard that passage
1: taught like that. Yeah, so and, uh, uh, well, there you go. So now you know. Now I know. A yoke was a uh, rabbi's teaching that he would lay on his disciples. And Jesus says, "My yoke is easy. My burden is light." So Philippians 4:11. Mm-hmm. This is where Paul says that he's learned in whatever state that he's in, to be content. And then what was the question that they asked at the end? So it was asked, how do you personally do that? And I don't mean just through your actions,
0: putting on the fake face and bearing through it, but truly, really in yourself, be content even in the midst of great suffering. How do you do that?
1: Well, the truth is that we cannot be content in ourselves. That I, can, I cannot look into myself to find contentment and the contentment doesn't come from inside of me. Really, it's only in Christ and in him that we find our peace and contentment as we learn to rest in his work. And what Paul says in Philippians 4.11 is that this is something that he has learned. I have learned in whatever state I'm in. To be content which means if this is something that he's learned it's not something that you naturally possess or something that he's always figured out so he hasn't always been in this state right so learned it means that it's knowledge that has been gathered through personal experience and if you read philippians 1 which I encourage you to do, Paul again talks about his suffering and that he's now in jail. However, he talks about how the fact that he's suffering and the fact that he's in jail, it's been used by God to advance the gospel. And so again, it's, it's the, the suffering and the glory. And this is where Paul even writes to live is Christ, to die is gain. So How do we find true peace and contentment in the midst of the storms in life? I think it's only in going through the storms that we learn to trust in God fully and completely. It's something we learn. And in that, we learn to have this inner peace that comes through faith in Christ. And even though our external circumstances might look difficult, dire even, We can have confidence in God's power and that he will see us through it all as we've learned to trust in God in the past and how he's brought us through those things. It gives us a peace and contentment for the things that we are now in knowing that God will see us through to the other side. Right. And that's, that's how I ended on Sunday saying that the reason
0: why we suffer is so that we can be made more like Jesus and everything you were just saying, as you go through those things, as you, your faith deepens, you rely on God, you trust in God to see you through. Once he has seen you through, I believe that if you have kept your faith and and look to God, that you will look more like Jesus on the other side of it than you were at the beginning of it. Right. Absolutely. Okay.
1: Really good questions. Yeah. Thank you for those. And I I hope that this I I think that when we get questions in, we have a, a little bit deeper, you know. Yeah, that's discussion. why that's
0: why we're doing this podcast, right? So we can have those discussions. So I know that that blessed you. It blessed me just hearing Matt share his wisdom and knowledge on the word. And so, continue to send in your questions. We that's why we're doing this. We love getting your questions. Sweet. So we are next Sunday. We're in
1: week six of Romans eight. You got a little tease for us. Yeah, we're actually going to be covering one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Maybe what is my life verse? And of course it ties into what we've been talking about today and all of Romans eight and that's Romans eight twenty eight. that God works all things for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. So we're going to be diving into that and other verses on Sunday. It's going to be awesome. Encourage you to come, be ready to receive, and even invite a friend. I know it will bless them as well. Awesome. Well, that's going to do it. Destiny
0: midweek. Thanks for listening, and we will be talking to you soon.